episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today with me is Chris Holmes from NHS Supply Chain. Thanks for joining me, Chris. Good afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Chris, first of all, a little bit about yourself at NHS Supply Chain. What's your um, role? What do you do there? So uh, my role, I, I am the director of supply chain for NHS Supply Chain. So that role covers the work completed by the category towers, so the people who are doing the procurement, and the work that's completed by the logistics provider, Unipart. A uh, number of bits in between, but th- that's the, the main elements of the role. Okay, well, as I said, you know, thank you for joining me today. I know it's, it's very busy there. No um, it's been, I guess, the busiest 12 months, I'd imagine, that, that you, you would have known there. Yeah, I think um, the whole of the NHS has faced an incredible challenge over the last 12 months. And uh, just to be a small part of that uh, has been an incredibly experienced, very challenging experience, as as you say, but very humbling as well. I mean, our NHS is is an unbelievable organisation. Uh, and responds to everything that's thrown at it and delivers world-class patient care, which it's done over the last 12 months under the most extreme of circumstances. So myself and my team and and the broader NHS supply chain uh, team, we're we're very proud to have uh, been able to support the NHS to to deliver the fantastic outcomes that they've delivered. Now, obviously, with COVID-19, a key phrase around COVID-19 has been supply chain resilience, and it's very important in terms of PPE during the pandemic. Um, can you tell us a bit about what NHS supply chain is doing, has done, is doing to support this? Yeah, there's a few things there just to, to work through. So if, if I talk about more of our um, resilience agenda as, as it was, because um, what is important, I think, that uh, our NHS customers understand is that NHS supply chain uh, have always recognised that resilience is a, is a really, really important factor in, de- in delivering a supply chain service. Um, the, the operating model that we currently are working within was put in place with a number of key things to a, enable us to help to improve the resilience from where it was. So things that we'd already done is we'd already uh, spoken about and uh, produced a strategy which was related to what we call our infrastructure so our warehouses mainly Um, and because what we recognized was that there was uh, investment that was needed to ensure that we got both the capacity and capability to provide the NHS with the services that it needs now but more importantly as it moves forward so we had presented a a strategy uh, to our board uh, which actually had three phases to it the first phase of that was the uh, establishment of a new regional distribution centre in Bury St Edmunds, which was replacing an existing uh, distribution centre we had there. Um, That opened in May 2020, so we continued to uh, um, open that whilst COVID was in full flight. And it was opened uh, initially in conjunction with the the original site staying open as well to provide that additional resilience, which wasn't the original plan, but we we changed the plan, uh, obviously once COVID had had hit. That site itself um, is virtually double the size of the original uh, facility. So it's just under 150,000 square foot. And that was phase one of our infrastructure strategy and enable us to have a greater level of capacity, which supports driving that resilience agenda. Uh, So that 
the facility is now fully up and running. Um, it's doing really, really great service. It's got a number of our key customers in there, uh, as well as servicing, uh, sorry, giving the opportunity to service potentially new customer bases in those community areas, which uh, hopefully we'll start to move into over the coming uh, months and, and, and years. Um, and it's also won a couple of awards, so so it's, it's done well, and uh, in partnership with our Unipark colleagues. What are the awards? The awards are, are related to, to the facility itself. So the last one was the Logistics Award for Best Facility, which was announced last week. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're very proud of that. Uh, but the most important bit is, is it gives us now a kind of a starting point for our uh, transforming our logistics infrastructure and improving our service and uh, supporting that resilience within the NHS. Um, what we've also done as well is we've um, worked towards increasing the amount of product that we've actually got within our uh, uh, infrastructure. So obviously when, when COVID hit, uh, that created uh, challenges specifically in PPE, but also in, it created challenges in other product areas as well that had association with PPE or, mm -hmm. the, or the supplies themselves uh, had different product areas. And what we saw with suppliers was some obviously were affected in a way in which required significantly more demand to go through them. Some actually had very little demand going through them as the effects of COVID impacted upon the elective um, uh, procedures and therefore they furloughed staff. So for, for various reasons, what that led us to do was to say, right, we need to build initially our stock levels to a higher level of uh, capacity to ensure firstly that we can meet any unknown requirements as we move through the COVID period. And then secondly, to give our customers confidence that when we start to hopefully move out of the COVID uh, uh, tunnel, and we start to move back into the delivery of some of those BAU services, that we've got products and we've got the, the capability to be able to deliver into them when, when they need it. Um, the other thing that we've been doing, again, to support the resilience specifically from a COVID perspective is we've been supporting the Department of Health, NHSE and IMPHE with the rollout of the vaccination programme. Uh, and we've had two roles there. Firstly, we were providing uh, the procurement services for the consumable pr products and the equipment products that were in our scope. Uh, so really enabling them to pump prime that program as they were in the planning stages. And then what we've also done, and we're, we're very proud to play our small part in, in what is a huge national program, which has been incredibly successful, is delivering to the hospital hubs. So and we, we're very proud to have done that and we, and we continue to do that. We also are working particularly with our PHE colleagues uh, on the uh, delivery of the vaccination, sorry, the vaccines themselves, uh, where we've got a, a management uh, uh, responsibility in there. So that's some of the areas that we've been working on, some of the areas that uh, had come prior to COVID and some of the areas that can pre, uh, sorry, as a result of COVID. In terms of our, our ongoing resilience, we're continuing to implement our infrastructure strategy. So at the moment, we're looking at the next phase of that uh, which will hopefully see us add to our footprint over the next 12 to 18 months further. That's great. Um, the, um, as you said there, the success of the vaccine vaccination programme is, is probably the one thing that everyone can agree on throughout the pandemic, that that has been incredibly successful. That's the one thing that 
regardless of where you are or what you're reading that most people can agree on it must be great to be to be a part of that um what about the role that technology's played during that period and in, in, in your uh, investment in it so again as part of the operating model that we moved into similarly as we as i spoke about earlier about the logistics infrastructure we also knew that we needed to invest in our what we refer to our core technology now i'll explain a little bit about what that is in a second um so again that's started before covid uh, it's continued during the COVID period, but clearly it did have some implications on timelines. But we are now, again, uh, full, full throttle looking to Im implement our, our core technology. We refer to it as our core technology refresh program. Um, and, and the reason that we're doing that is, is we've got uh, some very solid, very stable systems. But these systems have been around for many, many years. Some of them are you know, 30 years plus old. Uh, and whilst they are solid, whilst they are stable, that uh, they're not as flexible or as agile as modern systems and therefore some of the things that our customers want now and, and certainly will require in the future are difficult to enable through those systems so it's the right time to enable us uh, sorry it's the right time to replace those so the program itself is uh, is a three-year program with multi-year projects uh, the projects are split into three main areas. So the first area is what we refer to as a, a new product hub, which is a database which will uh, hold all of our master product data. So provide all, put all of our information into one system and provide us then the platform to enable us to build it out with the remaining systems. And, and the product hub actually went live in, uh, in 2020. So it's currently being uh, used. We're also using some of our legacy systems as well, but the product hub is, is live and operating. The two other areas are our order management system and then our warehouse management system. So order management is, is what it says on the tin, making sure that actually we, are, uh, we have effective management of our orders and we have a greater ability to manage orders in, the, in a different way moving forward. And the warehouse management system, that will enable us to do different things and make the most of the increased capacity that we're going to create in our logistics network as well. So at the moment, uh, some of the challenges that we might have might relate to things such as uh, uh, delivering it within 24 hours, which we can do, but our systems don't support us to do that in a very efficient way. And therefore it's not a standard part of our service. When we have our new systems in place and you couple that with the increased capability that the new capacity provides you, then if they are services that our NHS does want from us, then we're gonna be in a position to actually provide those. Um, as part of that activity, part of the order management uh, uh, process, one of the big areas that we are looking at at the moment is our what we call our e-direct service. So e-direct is one of our supply channels. So it's a supply channel where a customer will place an order through our systems, but it will go direct through to the supplier who will then deliver that order in full direct to the customer. Um, we've had feedback from our customers over, uh, over a, a period of time. Uh, that there need to be some improvements in that system. And those improvements are being put in place from both a technological perspective and obviously also a, a, an operational perspective. And what we're looking for is we're, 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 that's going to go live towards the, the, the spring summertime uh, this year. Uh, so that's a really, really positive piece uh, that hopefully we uh, will make a difference with our customers 
working with that service. And then the intent is we will start rolling out the warehouse management systems into one of our warehouses later on in the year. Okay, great. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you work with Category Tower service providers and perhaps how you're going to develop that relation, relationship going forward? Yeah, so um, I'm sure all the listeners know. So we have uh, 11 Category Towers and within that 11 Category Towers, we have a number of uh, service providers because m some of the towers are provided by the same provider. So we have uh, different service providers providing those towers. Um, they've played a, oh, sorry, start at the beginning. They are a significant part of our model very clearly because the category tower service providers are where we will drive and have been driving the procurement strategies that are there to hopefully support the NHS, deliver savings and deliver uh, the services that they require over time. Um, so absolutely intrinsically linked into the success of the model and any other model that, uh, that, that, that comes along uh, from, a, from a national perspective uh, is, is the, the way in which you actually firstly um, organize your procurement and then execute your procurement. So we work with the towers and this is part of my, my team's core responsibilities. We work with the towers on a day-to-day on -day basis. We work with them very closely looking at how they're uh, supporting the NHS uh, with their procurement strategies, driving them where that needs to be and supporting them also where they, they, they need to be supported to ensure that what we are doing is putting forward propositions that firstly can be supported by the supplier market because it's, it's vitally important that we have a very strong, very healthy supply market from which the NHS can ultimately get the products and services it requires. And, and that's part of our responsibility as I see it. So it's creating those procurement strategies that can be delivered by the supply market and actually on, are required by, uh, by our customers in the NHS. So we've been doing a lot of work in that space. Um, part of the activity that we were doing is looking at how we might be able to optimize ranges and ensure that supply chain resilience and coming out of COVID, what we will clearly be doing is looking at how we can actually learn those lessons, because there are lessons to be learned by all organisations that have been affected sure. by COVID and we're no different. Mm -hmm. And what might need to change, what we might need to do differently, what might we need to do more of uh, to ensure that actually we've got uh, those procurement strategies really driving out the elements that we need. Now, we are investing again to support us with that. So we, we are investing in a new e-procurement system. And we're also investing in uh, risk management elements of the NQC tool as well, which will help us with that, uh, gaining that information, getting that market knowledge and supporting the administration and the, and the efficiency of driving those procurement activities. Um, excuse me. And the way that we'll do that is we will do that on a Pareto approach. So we'll be looking at segmenting our products and looking at those categories that uh, contribute the, the most in terms of uh, the volume that goes through our network. So what the NHS deems to require most from us, that's where we start. So we, we basically apply that 8 to 20 rule and look at how we do that. And in keeping with that is also ensuring that uh, in those scenarios where uh, the, the, the product that a trust would typically wish to order can't be provided, it's how we then also have got good mapping around alternatives that have been clinically uh, viewed to ensure that they are the right level of alternatives and that they are visible to our customers 
on our catalog and on our systems so that they can have confidence when they buy from us that they understand what they're getting. Um, it would be remiss of me not to say as well that in respect to uh, COVID, mm. a number of our uh, uh, teams from within several of our category towers uh, have been working hand in glove with uh, our PPE cell colleagues uh, led by the Department of Health. So they've effectively uh, been seconded into the PPE cell uh, since the PPE cell was stood up, uh, providing their knowledge, their experience, using their supply contacts, using the supply uh, uh, contracts to support the PPE cell in the delivery of PPE for, for COVID uh, in both the NHS and in the wider sectors that it's been um, it's been supporting, such as social care. So, and, and that's something that, you I mean, they were very, very, obviously keen to do they they know they had the experience uh, and it's worked well and we're, we're very proud again that that uh, elements of our model have been able to support that wider uh, covid response okay um that's great just i just wanted to uh, ask you a little bit about the fact that obviously you're a corporate partner at hsa um i just wanted to get your view um from your side of how you see the how the HCSA has developed and what you see as the importance of us, just to get your side of the coin on, on, on the HCSA and its importance as it stands. I, I think my, my I've been a member of the HCSA for, uh, well, I can't remember for how long, for quite some time. <laughs> and, and I've been a big supporter in a number of ways. And, and I've, I've spoken, I think, at... Uh, most of the HCSA yeah. conferences over the last 10 years. So, so, so I, I, I am a fan of the HCSA. Uh, I think the HCSA does a, a good job in uh, holding organizations such as yourselves to account at times, uh, which I, 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 haven't, I personally have no problem with whatsoever. And I yeah. think actually uh, HCSA as an organization has a role to play in the future to ensure that it, can, it has a voice for both suppliers and for customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it uses that voice um, uh, to for good and ensures that what it is doing is looking to ensure that by exercising the role that it's got, it's helping move the NHS forward in a, in a positive way. So I think it's really important. I think the HCSA has that role uh, today. I hope it continues with that role going forward. Excellent. Very kind words, Chris. Well, I, I aim to be kind. I aim to be kind. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's fair to say, and and your HCSA and my HCSA colleagues would say that. Um, I mean, there will always be uh, different views at times. Mm. There will always be sure. uh, positions whereby we we're, we're not we don't share a common goal. Mm. Um, but from my perspective, I think what is important is that when we have those scenarios, is that people are acting in the way in which is what is the best for the NHS sure and I think absolutely. the HDSA yeah. do that so I think for me uh, if it continues to do that I think it has a, a, a very as I say it has a role to play in helping shape both the supply side and also uh, to an extent a voice of the customer side as well that's great I mean a, a frank exchange of views has never been a bad thing has it it's not, and, and, it, and, and it has happened, and I'm sure and it will happen again, I'm going to say I'm sure, it will happen again. <laughs> That's, uh, um, Chris, I just, uh, we've gone through that, just before we finish off with recording, we like to go into our, our little segment, 
just to go out on a on a relaxed note that hopefully teases a little bit out of who I've been talking to about their um their general tastes and what they do um, you know outside of work. Um, so I've I've now christened this um, Desert Island Supplies, um, and it's the same question that we do when we're talking to like singular singular people outside of our panel discussions, which is if you were being dropped like, um, you know, Bear grills or something onto some desert island. Um, and we always like to assume that there's plenty of food on the island. So you don't need to worry about that. You're right. <laughs> you know? So assuming that you're well catered for, for like um, food and fluids and that, um, what two things you would take just to kind of, you know, keep yourself entertained on there and you, but you could only take one, one album by an artist and one film. Let's assume that we've dropped you off in that desert island with, with the means to play those things. <laughs> um, what would they be? Oh, well, in terms of the album, um, there's, there's lots of albums I like. I, I think the, the album that I would take with me is, is an album called Mosley Shows by a, a band called Ocean Colour Scene. Mm -hmm. So they're a I don't know, early to mid nineties ish yeah. when they're in their pomp. Uh, mm -hmm. And certainly the, uh, the fantastic album. And, it, and it, it, I suppose it reminds me of a far simpler time as well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, perfect. You'll, you'll be able to uh, go into your own little private fantasy world off the island if you was listening to that. Absolutely. No absolutely. What, what film would be a company? Oh, in terms of the film, um, I think... Uh, Again, the number of films, I would, but a film that I, I, I do watch fairly regularly. So I, I suppose I would take this one as a film called uh, Point Break. I don't know if you're yes. familiar with yeah. that. Yeah. So I do have a, um, I, I do like surfing. So it's something, yeah. being, being born and raised in the Midlands, clearly something I'm very, very well catered for. But uh, I do like to surf and uh, as a film, I do, I, I do like that film. Uh, a lot so you're, you're talking I, about the original look of course i'm talking about the original the, one yes yes i should have made that clear so patrick swayze <laughs> and uh, it's okay uh, i think i believe only three people actually ever watched the remake so i, <laughs> I don't think people would ever reference points so i did watch do. it just to just to see what it was like <laughs> oh, that's but, interesting yeah um, but, but, did you miss patrick swayze keanu reeves not the same with uh, that I missed a, I missed a lot. It was it was mm. one of those things, isn't it? It's a it's a it wasn't it wasn't the same. They didn't try to make it the same, so it didn't feel the same. So it it wasn't as good, and it won't become the cult classic. I would I'm sure yeah. uh, that the originals become, but uh, yeah, the original just, film. Just before we go, where where, where do you go um, surfing? Where's good uh, to so, surf in the UK? I know places I know like Cornwall. And yeah, I'm Cornwall. Like, Cornwall's yeah. where we go. So we we spend a lot of time in Cornwall. We spend a lot of time uh, in Newquay, in particular, in Cornwall. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's it's in and around that area where where I would surf. I'm not very good at it. Don't get me wrong. Um, right. It's not something I've I, I did from a young age, which is mm -hmm. what you really need to do to be good. But I do really enjoy it. I find it very almost very ther very therapeutic. It's uh, bobbing around in the Atlantic Ocean is uh, is the place to be to clear your mind. Uh, and it's, it's, it's great exercise as well. So I don't get to do it nearly as much as I would wish to. And certainly, obviously, for, for, for the reasons that are clear in the last 12 months, almost not at all. So uh, yeah. one of the benefits, hopefully, of returning to a level of normality will be uh, being able to go and go to get in the ocean again. 
Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we drop you off in that desert island with a surfboard then. <laughs> we'll, we'll give <laughs> you an extra. Great. That was great. <laughs> maybe we'll change it from now on. Maybe we'll, say it, maybe we'll say an album, a film, and one luxury possession. <laughs> Chris, thanks again for joining me. Um, this has been really, really great chatting to you there. Um, and uh, that's been Chris Holmes from NHS Supply Chain. Make sure you join us on the next episode of Supplycast. Bye till then.